In an age characterized by constant technological advancements in the pursuit of opportunities, many startups are being birthed. In contrast to developed economies that are advanced in this race, emerging markets comprising of low income and underdevelopment are assiduously aiming to participate in this change. How can startups leverage venture capital as a catalyst for boosting the economies they find themselves in? In this episode, Boris Lancheris elaborates on venture capital and how various traditional tech institutions can leverage this financial opportunity to expand the reach of their tech products. Also, he discusses the use of AI to enhance their capacity in today's tech landscape. Whether you're a techpreneur or curious about becoming one, Boris helps you in this episode to lay an important foundation as you progress on your entrepreneurial journey. Enjoy today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Big Spark. Big Spark is the UK's fastest growing data solutions consultancy, translating your business needs into data architecture, strategy, and engineering. Together with their technical partners, they focus on swift and efficient business value delivery. Taking an innovative approach to every challenge, Big Spark is an agile team of over 100 world-class engineers and data scientists pushing the boundaries of what can be achieved with AI, data, software, cloud, and machine learning. To find out how BigSpark can ignite your data solution, visit us at www.bigspark.dev. BigSpark, igniting change through engineering. All right then, hello everyone and welcome to the TechSurf podcast where we navigate today's tech wave one electrifying conversation at a time. I am your host, Rima Kluche, and today I have my amazing co-host with me, McLean, to delve into a very interesting conversation that is very, very important. More importantly, I have an amazing guest, someone I met back in France. Um, We're at Nantes, which is one of the cities in France. And he is into a very interesting domain that I believe will be both beneficial for techies and non-techies who are thinking about entering the entrepreneurial world. So without further ado, I will like you to just go ahead, you know. So welcome, Boris. And um, I'd like you to introduce yourself in the shortest amount of time, your background and where you live, what you do in your own time. That's awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, to be here. And yeah, I mean, we can start just uh, sharing about like what I've been doing all this time. And uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm Boris Lancheros. I'm from Colombia. I'm an industrial engineer uh, back home. And then, yes, as you just said, we met in France uh, back in Nantes. Uh, I did a master in engineering, engineer generalist, how they call it there. And it was a master specific in risk management. And after a couple of years, I did another master in finance, but now in Boston, and it gave me that chance to work where I am right now. And I'm living in New York City, working on VC and emerging markets specifically, and yeah, investing and learning about 40 different markets around the world. And here we are today. Wow, (laughs) that's nice. I like that. I like that. I like that. So you are an engineer. You come to France to study risk management. So I think you did industrial engineering, right? 
industrial yeah, engineering, exactly. you come and do a master's, you know, to learn about risk management and everything. Then the next thing you move all the way from engineering into venture capital. And for that matter, talking about emerging markets, when people are maybe trying to go into the booming market, tell us the process. Like, how did you get into the finance world? Was there a background? Was it your dad, your family? How did you get into the finance world? And why did you specifically choose VC? Yeah, definitely. I would say like everything started back in France. Uh, I had the opportunity to that like risk management portion and it was specifically like focused on engineering, but also on the financial world. And there is when I started like having some interest uh, on like, okay, what's happening into the finance, but finance is so wide, right? And at the end, like one of those courses were related to entrepreneurship, like, okay, how I manage risk, but on like innovation, like technology tech companies like in the like yeah startups in general and then like how it happened and i had to get back home uh, when i started working for startups itself like doing consulting and financial analysis for those startups and understanding first like okay how business model works how pitch works how you find investors right. and you start being from the sell side right so you're trying to find those investors you're trying to understand how to get that investment how to like innovate or, or create those great business models and after boston is where i say okay it will be super cool to actually understand the other side right like being the buy side and it's okay how these investors actually think to get into those startups so i start to give that sense of okay uh, i want to be in both sides uh and during all my life I, I want to understand like the whole ecosystem itself how it starts to work from the beginning but also how investors like invest in those startups right, right. And here's where, where the interest started like growing and growing over time until it gets to, to this point of, okay, uh, how the whole cycle works, right? Right, right. Okay. Okay. So um, you finish um, school or you finish Boston, right? And you had the opportunity to maybe go and work in some top firm, maybe a big four or something, you know, to do the traditional finance. Then you choose VC. And when you choose VC, you go into a very high-risk place. We're talking about emerging markets, which are, you know, uh, relatively, you know, low in their uh, um, ability in terms of income capacity and all that. I believe that is what all... In fact, before I go ahead of myself, you tell us what emerging markets are. For those who are listening who may not necessarily understand what an emerging market is, I'll let you go. Completely. Uh, and I think that's a, a really, really good question. And, and as you said, like, uh, maybe at the beginning, once you study and you start, like, getting to the finance world, you may think, like, yeah, I might go to investment banking, I might go to right. consulting, I might go to a big four. Like, why choosing, like, BC and why emerging markets, right? Right. Uh, so I think, like, the definition behind it is, like, uh, there's, we can compare with two. So there's developed markets where our structure, where uh, they, agents that are involved like in the same ecosystem are developed yeah. like, by the same word so let's say they're funds they're accelerators incubators entrepreneurs technologies adopted so let's say like it's fully uh, adapted uh, to like the market itself in emerging markets there's a lot of opportunity where there's countries and and like uh, industries where innovation is applied you know mm. you have the opportunity like through your capital to actually contribute to economic growth right mm. like how like there's multiple like it's called about innovation job creation uh knowledge transfer um economic resilience um attraction for foreign investment so let's say it's like a place where you can actually start developing 
uh, from scratch. And I think that they, that gave you that opportunity of like, okay, we can actually create something new. Oh, we can right. actually drive economic diversification, competitiveness, uh, you know, extend like the labor market. Like, so there's a lot of like factors that come into a place against like a developed market right. that gave you that opportunity to bring innovation into action, right? Right, right. Okay. So, so for you, so for you or for most people who are VCs getting into emerging market is because of the, the main factors are the, the the opportunity to you know start something you know different something new working with the different um, um, environment as compared to a typically developed uh, um, country where the structures may necessarily be there you want to you know get your hands dirty in code into the deep end of 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 an of an economy where things are not structured but then you're able to bring something you know reasonable out of that that is very that that makes sense so. Do you have any experience with um, um, developed regions or developed markets? Have you worked with them? And if you have, can you give us some of like the main, like your your experience working with emerging markets and developed regions? One of your main um, differences. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I think like that's like a very like critical question. Once you start like getting into the landscape of what's happening around, right? And I will develop like in three key points. I would say like uh, investment opportunities, like in emerging markets, you have like high growth potential. And of course it comes with higher risk and of course market volatility. But at the same time, like developed markets will tell you like, okay, we'll offer you a stability, but the markets might be saturated, right? There's a lot of competition. And if you think about it, like investment opportunities, like uh, there are needs in emerging markets for financial and technological inclusions healthcare innovation, agriculture, logistics, among others, right? So there's like a huge open like door to start like discovering. The other thing is, uh, is risk factors, I would say. Um, I think like in emerging markets, uh, you will have like some regulatory uncertainties that can be challenging for those entrepreneurs, right? To adapt to a local legal framework, currency volatility, infrastructure gaps, uh, political stability, competition itself, like, you need to actually be very in, innovative. Like you don't have to have innovation in your product to actually be different, right? So, but this also brings out like a lot of opportunity, like because you can create your own set of like strategic differentiation and long-term growth to actually to like be that huge, like an entrepreneur scale up like company. Uh, but in the same time, like in developed markets, you will have some sort of like stability, so let's say it that way, right? And finally, I would say, uh, market like dynamics where um, technology like maturity like in developed markets uh, is more often uh, like the people are more receptive to those or being adaptive to those technologies so that allow like startups to like capitalize or ex- like, like use that existing infrastructure or use the skill talent they already have to to like start working even faster uh, I think that's like uh, a good like opportunity where you have you're, you're in a developed market but at the same time when you're an emerging market uh the market dynamic reflect like for example unique uh, socioeconomic context and i would like to give just an example here like in some parts in, in africa and asia like uh there's an exp- like unprecedented and their experience like urbanization like a growing middle class like tech savvy like a job population that drives demand for solutions that are tailored to their local needs right so 
it's like everything you can do is like uh, there's a lot of things mm-hmm. you can do. So it's a bunch of opportunities right, you can create. Right. So I'm sure um, you've had to um, talk with a lot of, you know, young entrepreneurs, people who have great ideas. Like you said, um, the structures may not necessarily be there, but then innovation is still, you know, um, innovation is still something that um, entrepreneurs in um, emerging markets will want to, you know, champion or want to keep driving forward. And most of them will be in the early stage. Can you um, explain or, you know, give a bit of, you know, highlight a little bit, um, the financing of, of early stage startups and the criteria to to or, or the, the criteria that a, a VC will evaluate or use to evaluate the 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 potency or the viability of of these ideas or these startups. Completely, and I think like uh, I'll all develop like like the, the question in two, and I will say first uh, like how to develop that like attractiveness and and start like doing for those investments like deal flow and. I think like first, first of all, you need to understand like unique challenge and opportunities like the local market has. And this is crucial because it will actually tell you like with your tech solution or with your business model solution to address like that specific pain point, right? And once you understand that, you have to start creating that business model. You need to clearly like articulate like how your solution generates value, the path to that monetization, like that potential growth trajectory and start demonstrating traction. So I was like, the order will be like, yeah, understand what's happening in your market, create a business model that actually generates value. And then you start like showing like real case, like, or real world, like results. Right. Because structure at the end is key. You, you have to like uh, start like telling like the VC, like, yeah, you have a user adoption, right. you have a revenue growth, you have partnerships that validate your concept, your right. idea. Right. And it gives that evidence, let's call it that way, like, where it helped the investor to start like creating first like trust, but also showing him like, yeah, you might here we might have like potential returns of your investment. Right. right. Um yeah, I think mean, what else is more important? I think this is like super catchy, but I mean everyone talks like you have to you need like a good team and everyone says that that it's you know, I mean you heard that before, but team expertise is key too because it highly like like show like diversity and of skill sets right. of industry expertise so right. uh this is also very important i like to bring up like a very like diverse and fully skilled team right. that can adapt i would say like in emerging markets you need to be resilient right so your, your company might need to navigate challenge that adapts to that market dynamics you know and the only thing that's uh constant exchange right <laughs> so uh yeah, finally, I would say like communication, like you need to uh, have a very good communication. You, you need to show your value proposition, markets inside, uh, your growth strategy. And I think that that would be like very important to for you to start like bringing that like attention for those like international investors. Right, right. Um, so I'm sure VC does not operate independent of um, the legal and the policy of these markets right like the, like the legal part and uh, the policy restrictions of um co- of of countries i believe vc is all in under that same jurisdiction right like venture capital is bound by the laws of a country if that makes sense right okay and i'm sure every country has its own laws you understand me the dicey nature of how the economics works in every every um, country how do you as a VC or how do VCs mostly or how can VCs successfully 
navigate that together with the tech entrepreneurs for example i'm a tech entrepreneur who has a great idea to you know start uh, a great tech innovation something ai related but then the country in question let's give the example of uh, um, um, italy when chat gpt came out and then they ban it but then a tech entrepreneur is coming in with an idea to use chat gpt to do something that is very phenomenal and then is now trying to reach out to VC to invest in it. In terms of you as a person who is in VC, how do you navigate that? And also how can tech entrepreneurs, you know, navigate the legal and policy part of VC without getting themselves or without burning cash or wasting their time on something that would not, would not necessarily um, um, give the, the returns expected, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, completely. And I and I think like there's a lot of concepts that that will be super nice to, to start talking about, like AI in the VC world and in the startups, but also like that government like policies of incentives like bring up like that landscape or or, or that like ecosystem to grow over time. Right. And first, like uh, I would say, like talking about like government, there's like three major like uh, incentives or, or things like governments can do to actually potentiate or create like those incentives to perform like that emerging market. And I will start with saying like, there's a lot of government backed like initiatives like to promote that investment to or right, attract those venture right, capital funds right, to the emerging right. markets. And I'm talking about like uh, tax breaks, uh, you know, they reduce like regulatory barriers so oh, they can okay. encourage like international investors to, okay, why you don't come to my country? I'll give some kind of benefits and explore those local opportunities. Uh, I think that's also happening, like emerging markets, but that's like something like government like could like, start like getting into. Mm -hmm. So secondly, will be um, the startup incubator and accelerators because if you think about it, like government sponsored the startup incubators, uh, like provide those vital resources to like nurture like those young businesses, like because at the end, like these platforms not only offer like mentorship but also attract like international investors because they're gonna be like government backed. Uh, and the third one will be, and this is for me, one of the most important will be like education and skill development. Like governments will create those policies, like promoting like educations in science, technology, engineering, mathematics fields, where they are going to create like some sort of a skill, like talent pool of professionals. And at the end, those like skill sets will be attractive for, for venture capital, right. like when they're like making sure like they're reliable workforce. Uh, for tech startups, right? right? So like their skill sets are already like created for creating those companies. And and I think like there's a very like good like discussion on AI right now, right? Um, and I think like that's uh, something super cool to talk about it and those tech companies. Right. And I don't know what you guys think, but like this is no longer like how AI could like eliminate my job or what I'm doing, but it's more like how can I actually work alongside mm, AI? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know your thoughts there. <laughs> mm. Well, literally, so for us or for 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 me specifically, I am a strong advocate for people being educated about AI instead of being afraid about AI. In the first episode, we had two people who had done their masters come on board to talk about AI. And what and the main goal was to be able to demystify some of the misconceptions about AI. Now, definitely AI or us 
the definition of AI is, is to what? Replace human intelligence. So definitely if something is coming to replace human intelligence, then there's a, there's, there's a level of, you know, replacement going to go on one way or the other. However, just like every technological advancement that we've had in the past, first we used to have, you know, mobile phones that just had, you know, that LED screen. Then we moved to what? Mobile phones that could have what? Instant messaging. And then we moved to what? Mobile phone that could have what? Music. And then now we moved to what? A screen screenless uh, um, um, mobile phone we'd never we'd no longer need a, a keypad and now we just keep moving and moving different shades whatsoever so the innovation is going on what like whatsoever when the keypad left people complain how am i going to type but now give people a keypad and uh-uh, they're not going to give people an old blackberry they used to enjoy they are not going to use it you understand me so how do we educate people with these innovations and how to prepare them in the same vein, like around that same uh, um, area of, you know, with VC and AI and whatsoever, those of us who are in the space, both in the technical space and like yourself, who is who has an engineering background and who is also working in VC, how to be able to successfully educate people, both the people who have been in it for a long time and people who are yet to come in. My main focus, all right, for me as someone who is in the tech space, right, is how to demystify these concepts that are being bombarded at us you know the chat gpt the gen ai um, and all that because when we look at the evolu like the the evolution of technology we see how we started right we see how we started from um mobile mobile phones that had less of you know uh, capability we used to play snake i don't know about you but i remember when i used to play snake on um nokia 33 or nokia 1100 then we moved to you know blackberry i messaging and and all that kind of stuff then the next thing we see we have what music on our phones and now we have a whole device that can do so much more and it's actually it has evolved sorry so i believe it is very important for us in this space like yourself who has an engineering engineering background those of us who are working in the tech space who have a background in engineering or who has a background in ai whatsoever to demystify these concepts and try and calm the fears even if some jobs are going to be lost whatsoever how do we prepare the next you know batch of people you know to prepare for the next evolution or to 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 prepare for how the market is going to evolve you understand me so it's very very important for us to to get into these concepts and prepare people to have a better understanding of that and and since you're on the ai space i think i, I think we should stay here a little bit just you know just delve a little bit into the ai space yeah um just like raymond said i mean um there are lots of companies that um provide um services right or have built their whole organization or their whole business around a particular service that they provide right but right now you have um, AI almost doing everything. I mean, yesterday um, I read an article on BBC where um, there's this famous author um, and she had her book published on, um, is it Amazon? And uh, without having any idea that she herself has a book published on Amazon, the, the book was written by AI, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's such an interesting time and i think it's, it's something that um, a lot of people think about so if you are a, um, um, a business right that um, you have everything built around a particular service and sort of you have ai disrupting 
um, every environment right now, every ecosystem right now, you have AI disrupting it. Um, how how will you, as a traditional um, company, leverage AI, or how should you leverage AI to increase your attractiveness? Because I think um, now almost everybody is looking at AI. So how do you leverage AI um, rather than run away from it? Of course, and I think like that's a very very cool and interesting like. Uh, time we're living right now uh, and it's super cool to live it and I think like uh, I'll first start saying like when instead of saying like everyone needs to start learning everyone mm -hmm. should start like getting into the like right. system or start learning what's happening I would call it you should start investing in upskilling you know yourself and start thinking about like you have an existing workforce or you're trying to understand and work alongside AI right but you need to start equipping mm -hmm. like those traditional companies with, I mean, information, right? Because those employees will need to have, let's call it like AI literacy when you ensure that harmony like between like human intelligence and like AI, like intelligence, right? I think like, that's the first step mm -hmm. of saying like, you need to start thinking about like an investment of skilling your workforce. And uh, also talking about right. like my back, an engineering background, and I think that this is important, we talk always about like process optimization, like how we automate things, how you make things better. And before AI, we start deploying and using like uh, those kind of like insights or data-driven decisions using other kind of technology, right? The data we have or the technology we have available. But today we have AI and we can start automating those processes using AI automation, right? And it can actually revolutionize like efficiency from a bunch of different industries like from supply chain management, quality control, uh, streamline processes, like reduce errors at the end. Like, you know, you can boost your productivity like using AI, right? And I think this is key right now. And being as an engineer, if you want to process and you want to like spend your time uh, thinking and reducing like, uh, like operating stuff, you might like work alongside AI to do those things, right? And the third one I would say is uh, data-driven decisions. Like, Right now, like traditional tech companies uh, can harness on AI to process like a ton and ton of amount of data, right? And I think like uh, these directional like actions can actually create insights or guide you to take those strategic decisions, right? And if you're like a traditional company where, you know, you're using uh, a lot of like different like, uh, let's call it uh, resources right. or partnerships or you know, to take uh, data-driven decisions. Right now, you can create your whole, like, uh, data AI team to create those, like, decision-making or empower, like, that data behind a human intelligence who's actually created that model, right? So at the end, I'm, I'm thinking more like, uh, this is not like we're going to eliminate your job. This is more like, how can we work alongside, like, each other to bring that right. up, you know? Awesome, awesome. Um, so... Um... What are the pros, right, and cons? I mean, taking everything into consideration, um, I mean, right now we have AI, we have um, disruptive technologies um, disrupting the business world and not necessarily the tech world, right? So for you, um, for you as a, let's say I have a business, right? Um, how or what are the pros and cons of pursuing um, VC funding? What are the pros and cons of me coming to you um, as compared to going to someone like um, an angel investor? Once I have my business, being AI or not, what are the pros and cons? 
Yeah, that, that's a very good question. And I think like uh, there's something very important when a VC enter an emerging market. And I would say first will be like a knowledge transfer where actually VCs not only brings capital, but they're also bringing uh, mentorship. They're also bringing skill sets, you know, from developed markets. So at the end, if you think about it as a partnership, it's like, uh, though that pro, like a good thing to do is like, they're actually bringing like strategies, like, um, you know, ways to solve problems to those emerging markets. But at the end, it's a, it's a tailor, like you need to team up with that entrepreneur because he's the one who knows the local market. He's the ones who know what's happening inside the market. Uh, and I think that's a, a very like important uh, like factor when you're like selecting or not like a, a VC. Um, the other one, uh, let me think about it, like uh, like a bad criteria, why not or why not to choose a VC? And I think like there's a misconception also in the startup world, like not everyone, but like startup may like they might think like VC is the only way to find like capital, you know, or to find like access to 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 investment. And I think that's a, a very important topic to discuss because VC is just one portion of the whole ecosystem, right? Uh, or even your business might not need a VC, right? It might not be your bird partner for the moment. And I think that, that this is, a, I don't know if you heard that before, but entrepreneurs might think like, yeah, I might look for capital for VC or uh, have you ever asked like which VC you want to have in your cap table? Uh, and I think that's the other part of it is there's a lot of VCs with a lot of different theses. Uh, they have like different skill sets. They have different teams, uh, what they can offer you too. And this is also like a misconception of, about, I'm going to find capital, but uh, which kind of capital, which kind of VC, what needs do you have? Uh, do you want to team up with someone who give you like a skill set apart from money? Because at the end, like, yeah, you are going to have the capital, but what else, you know, what's next? You, you want to team up with someone who give you and a skill set on a specific topic or a workforce or mentoring, or you just need the money. And if you just need the money, there's multiple ways to find that money instead of busy capital, right? Awesome. Um, I think this brings me to um, a question that I would like to ask. Um, how, what do you look at, right? As a, um, as a VC, um, what do you look at when um, a startup comes to you and request for funding. Yeah, I think like uh, it, it is like a join of different, um, let's say, uh, initiatives. But I think like before going technical and saying like, yeah, this is what should should happen. I think there's like uh, a practical advice for okay, what this you what this is what you should be doing in order to start looking, you know, uh, for those like relations. And I think like first, um, you need to start being a doer. And this is like a, a funny word, but what I mean is you need to start like turning your idea into action, right? And don't wait until your perfect moment, the perfect time, because we use and we tend to do that. Be like, yeah, once I have this, I will do it. Once I am this age, I'll do it. Once I'm doing this partnership, I'll start doing things. And I think like, don't look to others to validate that idea. Just start looking through yourself and remember like those biggest barriers, like, are not structural or yeah, this is super hard or no, I gonna enter this market is you have to work on that mental and emotional like strengthness. And then I would say like, you need to have a deep, deep market, uh, like comprehensive of, this is gonna be your foundation at the end. Like you need to have a deep market understanding. You need to understand the local pay points, consumer behaviors, industry trends on that specific market. Because if not, uh, that will be like one of the first things they will ask to you like, 
what's happening there, right? Show me like you understand the needs of your clients, of your customers. And once we have that, we can go like very specific and there's something that is called like due diligence. And what that looks like is, uh, so a BC will start getting super deep into what's happening inside your business. So we can try to develop it more like one by one and we start talking about each other. And there's gonna be an initial screening of that like market analysis. They're gonna target and they're gonna see if that market it's big, like market size, like growth potential, competition, that unique value proposition, you know, and that's where it's, it's, it starts to get tricky, right? It, how I'm different, uh, again, like other tech companies around it, right? Why my uh, technology is unique, right? And and here started like that product service evaluation where, yeah, like show me why you're unique. Yeah, show me your potential. You're solving a real problem. Uh, it is actually scalable. It is not. Um, and once you validate that like product service in that market, they'll start getting into the financials. So they're, they're going to start saying, like, okay, like show me those projections, uh, those born rates, or your cash is being generated, your financial health, like what's your, your projection for growth, you know? Uh, and it comes attached with that, okay, how you how you re generating revenue, like how your pricing strategy, what are your plans for money? For, for monetization, like your business idea, you know? And it starts to get very challenging because, you know, if you're starting, it's like, oh my God, that's a lot of questions, right? Uh, and that's the beauty of like being an interpreter. And I, I'll leave it there until like, there's a bunch more, but uh, to continue. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how you're experiencing like feeling that way when you're in early stage, a startup, an entrepreneur, and there's a lot happening. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I... I can only imagine. So I haven't been an entrepreneur before. I don't know about Markley. Maybe he has he has a business that I don't know about. But yeah, he's he's a brilliant guy. So I know he probably has done something before. But I have had to, you know, start some some small stuff in my life and I've had to reach out to maybe my dad or something or, you know, someone. And the questioning, you know, when you're trying to get someone else's money involved in what you are doing it can be you know it can be quite rigorous <laughs> challenging but then you realize that the person the person is looking out for their their interests as well as as yours so it's it makes perfect sense indeed it makes perfect sense yeah and yeah okay, sorry oh no no but boris you can go go go, go for it <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say like yes and it's it's uh, this is the the challenging part right uh, because being an entrepreneur is actually very challenging. Like, it's, it's not only like, yeah, I'm going to have an idea and this is, I want to transform the world and this is what I'm going to do. But then you need to be, and what I was saying before, you need to be a doer. It's like, okay, bring your idea into action. And that here's where it gets tricky, right? And and it's like, okay, how I'm going to create a business model. Okay, I'm going to create the finance financial thing behind it. I'm going to create a market. Why is inside that market? Why that problem? Yeah. Why I'm solving this and not the other one? Yeah. Why am I unique? And, and it started like, but that's also the beauty of it, right? Because you're being innovative, you're being resilient, you're being adaptive to change. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's awesome too. Yeah. I mean, um, the talk of, um, I mean, this, all these VC jargons and um, talking of um, startups, the startup world, just, um, I think tunes my mind to this show Shark Tank. Um, it's been running for fourteen seasons, right? So that means that it's something that um, well brings a lot of views and helps a lot of people. So, 
since it's been running for such a long time, I guess it's something that contributes to, you know, the startup world and then the startup ecosystem helping businesses boom. I mean, there are um, a lot of success stories and all that. Also, not so, like, not a good lot of success stories too. Um, if you take a look at something like Ring Video Doorbell, um, he went on Shakta and, I mean, he he didn't get funding that he was looking for. So, um, putting all this into consideration, how effectively do you think um, venture capital contributes to the economic growth? So, yeah, so this is a very interesting question because uh, at the end, like venture capital, actually, it's a catalyst for that economic growth, right? And I will give you a couple of examples on how and why. And I think like one of the main, it's actually job creation. Like startups are engines of job creation. Like these companies scale, they hire talent, they're forcing employment opportunities with local communities. And at the end, this job creation extends across of different sectors, contributes to a more complex and robust like labor market, right? You're developing skill sets to start working on different like type of industries and projects, you know, and this comes alongside the tech, for example. You can work in a different industry in industries being a techie, right? I think the other one would be economic resilience and, and a well-developed like startup ecosystem will help the economy to diversify and become more resilient over time when you're not dependent on specific or traditional industries, if you think about it. Uh, because if you go on a downturn, an economic downturn, you're going to reduce that over-reliance like on a specific industries. Um, third one I'm thinking it's uh, you're actually uh, attracting a foreign investment uh, you do you do those startups and this is actually something that is happening I don't know if you've seen like those like crazy huge US or European VC funds or private equities that are entering to emerging markets this is now a reality right this is now happening and before it might like this is crazy that this company or uh, this fund is actually investing in a, an emerging market and and this collab- like global collaboration like injects that capital, of course, but also expertise in that, into the, that local co- economy, right? And this is great. And I think finally, like uh, that push, like that economic growth will be like it will give us a, a sense of like competitive advantage, uh, because if you think about like how venture capital enter like different cultural or, or emerging markets, they will need uh, to like create that sort of like adaptation, let's say. And driven by like venture funding, like you, not, you must like innovate to complete to a global scale, right? So if a busy fund is entering an emerging market, you must start thinking global instead of thinking local, right? Uh, because, and that uh, like VC or entry will give you that like entry to start fighting on a global scale. And, if you, and this is also very awesome because like entrepreneurs, right? Or not right now, but like, before entering to this like crazy world, you might create your company or your startup to start operating local, right? I don't know if you ever thought like right now you, your business could be here and in another continent or in 10 countries that before, yeah, this is unimaginable. Like literally, just like the Tech Self Podcast, we are based here in the UK, but then we get a chance to, you know, interview people like yourself in the US and everything. So we're not a business here, but exactly. yeah, we're just, we just, we just trying <laughs> to be, yeah. But this is crazy. I mean, if you think about it, like uh, right now, like you, this bringing that this global scale through technology, through innovation, you can make things happen on a global scale. Mm. And before this was crazy. I mean, if you create your business or you're from a small town, 
uh, you were creating something interesting just for your local like needs and, and, and interest. But now you can bring that business to the local, or not the local, but the global needs or interesting of a, or solving a problem of an old continent, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like here's where I love to bring that like uh, introduction to you have to stop thinking local in this world where mm-hmm. technology and, and there's a lot of resources and not, like, not only economical, but also educational, informative, you know, you have to stop thinking local and you start thinking like global, like mm-hmm. from the beginning, like right. if you're going to start a business tomorrow, you start thinking like how I'm going to make my business profitable and invaluable in my country or in my town, but also in another country, right. in, another, in another location. Right. And, and this is super, super interesting. Right. <laughs> right. I like that. So I know we've spoken a lot about a lot of things, VC, VC, startups, startups, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I want you as a person, right? Can you tell me some of your best um, investments you've made? Maybe in the VC space or a personal, maybe like a personal project, you work like in a VC. Just tell us, you know, one of the best you've seen or one of the best investment decisions you think you've made. And it may, it may be classified information, so you don't have to share it with the world, but just tell us yeah. what industry was it and why did you find it to be very interesting? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, that, that's a very good question. And I think like uh, before answering like with the specifics or, or, or changing names or, or whatever, I will say like before, you know, what's like a good or bad investment or to know like if you're better or, or not against other, you need to start comparing against something. So, um, oh, okay. so first you need to start saying, okay, if this is good, this is good against what? So this is where you need to start finding some mm. sort of benchmarks, right? And these benchmarks okay. will help you to actually say, I'm actually above or below average return, or is this actually changing or not like the local economy? And this is like, uh, uh, before giving you the example, is like, you're going to have like two kinds of benchmarks, right? Like the numerical one, the, the quantitative one, where it says you're a below average or you're above average, you're outperforming or you're not performing very well. Mm-hmm. But there's the other one that says, oh, you're actually doing social impact, you know? And this is another concept. It's like, oh, you're actually impacting like the the like we just thought like the VC is actually changing uh, the life of thousands of thousands of people in that location. You're creating jobs, uh, and this is another way to measure like it was a good or not or a bad investment, right? Right. Uh, I, right. I, I, you can compare it for like the financial return, and then you can compare right. like to right. that impact on, on, on the on the on the entrepreneur on the location or the, on the. The economy they're working right, right. and and to give like an example i would say like uh as, as, as i shared before like what bc look like and on me personally what i like the most is uh is like deep understanding on the market i think when an entrepreneur or a team like loves what they're doing uh and solve something they're passionate about is where like mm-hmm. you can see like every time they pitch you or they present you your idea mm-hmm. they actually know what's happening you know They've been right. there or they've been solving this for years and they now they found something innovative or, or very creative to solve it, you know? Right. And, and, and and when I'm saying like good or bad investment, I think like, of course, I cannot disclose like a lot of information, but I would say like, right. I think that's the way I measure like uh, that success, right? right? And, and also it'll depend. I was, I was telling you like every startup will find the perfect like investor, right? And me personally, mm. I love to invest in companies that have like some sort of purpose, right? 
And what does that mean? Is like you're shaming your local community, right? Or mm. you're an amazing entrepreneur with a great personality with a great product, but that needs a little bit of mentorship or, or help or, mm. you know, to get there. Mm. So, uh, and I think like that answer will change uh, person to person. And I think like everyone will have a different like investment thesis or, or a way to approach that investor or that entrepreneur. Uh, but yeah, I think like that's uh, like a, a question, an answer to that. All right. Well, I'm sure you're always talking with businesses and you're probably hearing a lot of people pitching a lot of ideas over here and there. What do you do to wind down? What do you do in your leisure time? What 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 is Boris's um, um, free time like? What is your leisure time, your hobbies? What do you do? What do you like to do? Yeah, I think like, uh, of course, one of my passions is definitely like startup world and investing. <laughs> and I think uh, that's like 80 or 70% of time. Uh, but of course, I, I love and enjoy like uh, being international. I think that gave us like that sense of uh, love to also multicultural experience, like diversity, traveling. And I think that makes part of my life too. You know, like just the chance that we met in another like location and being from other countries. Uh, you know, that right. also makes part of like what makes me also happy. And it's like meeting new people, you know, having new friends from all different locations around the world. And, and yeah, personal skills, like what I love the most, I, I, I love music. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, for instance, France, I, I'm a DJ too. So I'm enjoying my time, like into music, uh, also sports. I'm sportive. Uh, I'm really sportive. I love, I, I think I play every sport, uh, but I, the, the one I love the most is soccer. Uh, and now I'm learning how to play golf. That was my new like hobby. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, well, I, well, I don't know, but there's a cliche that the golf sport is for the elite. Is that why you're probably going into uh, to meet more elite people, <laughs> potential people in the VC space? I would say like it makes part of it, but it's actually fun. I mean, once I started, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna just try it just to see how it goes. Uh, but it ended up being really fun. Like, and if you're doing it with your friends, like who's also like starting from the beginning, it makes it funnier. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it, I mean, I think like golf is uh, something you, it's not like you should know, but it helps to develop like relationships. And at the end, like if you, it's not only about VC or investing or in life, you need to start like creating that trust or creating that relationship building, you know, making it stronger your network. And at the end, you have to do it by just going to those kind of places, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like the golf course, but you need to start creating those like networks and professional like interactions using that a strong network. And I think like uh, if you like bring it to the tech ecosystem, like you need to go to industry events, right? And I that's the other thing I like the most, like meeting new people. It's like you need to start going to those events. You need to start engaging with people that you admire, right? Advisors right. or people you think is great for your life, and you're gonna start creating those potential interactions that for tomorrow will impact you somehow. It doesn't have to be related to business, also to life, you know? Good friends that could also, like, become your partners tomorrow or just, like, make friends for your life that will support you emotionally and, you know, during your process. And I think that's uh, that's All key, right. you know? All right. Okay. So, um, finally, we 
at the end of today's episode and i think um for someone who has heard these things a lot vc 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 and having you come on board to you know demystify a lot of the things and try you know make it more understandable for both people especially for people in the tech space who are trying to you know navigate this you know uh, ai saturated space but still you know keep innovation at the forefront of what they want to do um for you as a vc all right and who also loves technology what are some of you know the anticipation you have about the vc landscape in a few years in the emerging markets maybe for the next five ten years what do you think vc is going to look like if we just project looking at how technology is running looking at how innovation is happening let's just make a few projections so maybe in five years ten years we'll come back and look at the listen to this episode and be like you know what maybe boris was the prophet after all <laughs> you know but yeah yeah let's so tell me what what kind of like what kind of projections do you have in terms yeah. of what you look like? uh, this is definitely a, a big one <laughs> but uh let's try <laughs> let's try to develop it a, a little bit and right. i think like uh first of all there's going to be an increase in, in investors that will be attractive for emerging markets because they will recognize because it's actually happening like today like if you if you go and, and see like African or East Asia or South American companies that are now leveraging like capital. They're actually growing incredible globally on global scale. And they're recognizing that potential for high returns, but also that brings social, social, like social impact, right? And mm. I think that that's key for the future uh, as, mm. as, 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 as what's happening right now, right? Second thing I'll think about it, um, like emerging markets will uh, be incubators for localized, like for example, tech solutions, you know, because they're going to address unique challenge and those investors will seek those startups that leverage technology to solve the real problems, right? right? And that's also happening right now, but in the future will be intensified. Like you're going to have uh, investors who are going to say, yeah, we still want to create that economic growth. We still want to create that job creation, but we we'll, we also want to create that societal like well being, right? We want to transform mm -hmm. life, people, you know. Mm -hmm. And that, that's also like something you start being like you start looking at it. But I think it will be more intense like in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, and another thing I'm thinking about is uh, global collaboration. I think like as we were discussing, like it was unthinkable, like before working on a global scale, but today it's, it's I wanna say easier, but it's very easy to cross-border collaboration. And investor startups like will start leveraging international networks for funding, mentorship, expansion, you know? And this is gonna happen at the end because you're gonna have access to information and you know, you know guys, but I know Raymond is in the UK, uh, but McLean, I don't know where you're at, but. <laughs> yeah, he's also in the UK, he's in Leeds. He's but right this this is a perfect example of global collaboration. Like I'm in New York, you guys are on the other side of the world, but still we're collaborating, leveraging our networks, uh, but for a, for a specific purpose. And this is going to be like very common on the startup world on the, in the companies. Mm -hmm. Like these emerging markets will become like integral, like key players in that global tech ecosystem. You know, right. we're going to have great talent. We're going to have great companies, and those like global interactions will happen a lot. Right. And I think right. it they're happening, but I think they will like be very intensified and accessible for right. everyone, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and the last two, I think, uh, very, very important. And I think what this was one of the McLean question, and it was government support, right? 
Right. And I think like governments will play an active role on nurturing like the tech ecosystem or the startup ecosystem through policies, you know, like encouraging innovation. Like they're gonna make mm-hmm. uh, like companies to like go to that path more easily. Like they're gonna give incentivizing like investment, provide necessary infrastructure. Like if you if you like right now, for example, I'll give a Colombian example, they create a sandbox where you can like mm-hmm. store some sort of like making your startup have like all license needed to become like a real company to prove they work or not, you know? And this is like unique and this is, uh, but this is not happening because of like, yeah, because we're doing great is because government is giving that support and incentivize that like, like entrepreneur world, you know? And, and this is going to be a key player too. Like government is start, they're starting to see like startups and companies and innovation is key important for economic growth too. And they're going to start investing in those two. And finally, and, and what I was saying before is like education and talent development, I think will be one of the most important. And it brings together AI and it brings together being in, in innovative. And I think like investment will flow into the these educational technology, like platforms, universities, entities that will bring like, those initi- like initiatives to foster like that talent, you know? Right. Specifically in the tech space, uh, you're going to have like a skilled like workforce that will be like specifically like sustaining that tech ecosystem growth, right? Mm-hmm. And this is only happening if the education system start including in every program about technology, about entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, economic growth. So, from right. early stages of your career, even though you're a doctor, even though you're, I mean, any background you have, governments and educational entities will start bringing you a skill set, you know. Two, I don't know, that will be the future, but you will have to learn what's, what's AI for, right? Even though you're in any background, you need to know how to, I don't know, you do have to program, you know, or be a coder, but you need to know, understand the structure, you know. You mm. might need to know how to optimize process. You might need to know how to create a business model, you know? Mm. And even though you don't do it, you have to some sort of like create that skill set because for tomorrow, like uh, labor, you know, and, and workforce, they're going to require it as a minimum, right? Like mm. I, I'm pretty sure like if you apply to any job today, you might need to know Excel and Excel has been for 20 years around, I don't know. Right, right. And, and this is for next generation too. It's like uh, what you guys know about AI. And this is going to be like, what's AI? I mean, what do you mean? Mm. You should be here right, right now, right? right. Uh, and right. I think like that's that's for the next decade. Like uh, they're going to be, a, a, but this is going to be very beautiful at the end if you think about it. Uh, everyone is developing a very crazy skill set of, of different like industries and capabilities right. that, that can be applied to multiple like industries, jobs, positions, or, or being an entrepreneur right. itself, right? Right. Right. I really like that. I really like how you 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 ended that, reminding us of um, how diverse skill sets are going to be somewhat needed here and there in different industries. And all of us, whether you are in medicine, whether you are in law, whether you are in even in tech, you sh- you should still, you know, prepare yourself with, you know, information about entrepreneurship, AI. Because not everyone in tech necessarily knows so much about AI, so knowing these tools, I actually like how you 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 created that similarity with Excel because that is very very true. No matter how good you are on a technical basis, 
Excel is like a non-negotiable. You exactly. regardless <laughs> of the industry, right? Boris, thank you so so much. Um, you actually make me feel like I want to start a business tomorrow <laughs> or maybe today and just call you and say you know boris i have an idea but that then i know that i'm going to have you ask me a lot of questions because we need to have a viable um business but this has been very helpful and i believe it's going to be helpful for beginners or young people especially in the emerging markets which is our target to have a better understanding of where they stand in the, this uh, um tech innovation and this uh, um aspect of funding of you know ideas to propel them so thank you so much for coming we really really enjoy time and thank you mclean for being the able co-host that you are i really enjoy doing this with you oh thank you guys i think like last thing i want to say is uh be resilient like rejection is part of the process uh, don't be scared of rejection like stay resilient in the face of the setbacks and use that feedback to improve yourself you know in life in business, in whatever you guys are doing, but you know, every no will get you to to the right person, to the right investor, right. to the right solution, to the right whatever you guys are doing, and and never give up. And don't forget, like you're you're an entrepreneur, you're gonna be different, you're gonna have challenges, but this is part of the process. And I think like it it was it, it is what makes it like different and beautiful too. So thank you, McLean. Thank you, Raymond. It was a great great time, and talk to you guys soon. That's a mic drop. I have nothing else to add. He just ended it perfectly. Thank you so much, Boris. It is not far-fetched to conclude that the benefits of venture capital cannot be underestimated since it goes beyond just financial support to potentially changing the livelihood of people and improving industries. In addition to VC enabling emerging economies to compete on the global stage through innovation to pave the way for a brighter future, it also serves as a form of mentorship for new entrepreneurs. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Tech Sub Podcast. See you in the next episode. Hey.